Well, I'm finishing up uh, this series here, this short series on the book of Ruth. So if you want to follow along today, we are in uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 24. That's Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 24. Or I'm sorry, 22. There's not 24 verses in this chapter. Just seeing if you're paying attention is all. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be for you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram Aminadab, and to Aminadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon Salmon, And to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. What we've been looking at this book of Ruth, and and we've been using a word a lot, and it really, really comes into focus here in, in these last few verses of the book, and the word we've been using a lot is the word redemption, or to be redeemed. It, it seems to come up in just about every chapter here in the book, and so it's a very important topic to the book. And so as we're understanding what the book has to say about redemption, it, it's good to sort of pause and say, well, what does that word even mean? And when you look at the Old Testament, there's actually two words that are often used to describe redemption or to redeem something. The first word is just that. It's just redemption or to redeem. And it means to reclaim something as your own or to claim something as if, though, it's your own. So think of something that isn't owned by anybody you now have the opportunity to claim it as your own, or maybe it was once yours and you sold it at one time, or you want it to be yours, it should be yours, you need to purchase it. That is the redemption that we're talking about here in this book. But there's also another redemption that's used throughout the Old Testament, and it's often translated as the word ransom. And that means that something that needs to be redeemed, that cannot be afforded. Okay, so it's something that needs to be redeemed, needs to be purchased, but it cannot be afforded by the person that needs to redeem it. So we'll put this in in really simple terms because I think this will open up the passage for us. Um, My son just got done playing t-ball through the month of July. He played for the Tigers, which as a Detroit Tigers fan made me very happy that they named his team that. But that's besides the point. Um, So he got done with t-ball, and his coach was handing out coupons to all of the kids. And the coupons were to Dairy Queen. And and he got two coupons for a free, I I think they're called Dilly Bars. I've seen some head nods. Okay. Uh, so he got a coupon for, he got two coupons for one free dilly bar. 
And so, of course, I had to drive him out there, and he took his big sister, Eden, along. And when we got to Dairy Queen, he presented that coupon, and I believe on the coupon it said, uh, may be redeemed for one dilly bar. Now, in his mind, he owned that dilly bar. He just had a paper for it, but he owned it, he wanted it, he wanted to claim it as his own. And so when we got there, I said, okay, tell her you want a dilly bar. And he sort of whispered it because he's five. And he handed that over to her. And then she took him over to the display case and asked him which one he wants. And he pointed at the chocolate one because he's a good boy. And he grabbed that one. And that was his dilly bar. Okay, so that is an example of redemption. Okay, he wanted it. He had something to afford it, so he claimed it as his own. Now, his big sister, who's only eight years old, could not afford a dilly bar. She did not have any money to purchase one, nor did she have a coupon to claim one as her own. But Jude, being a good little brother, gave her his coupon, and so she handed that over to the lady, and, and the lady, again, took her over, and Eden saw butterscotch and so purchased that one. And I still to this day am wondering, I think she thought it would be butter and she likes butter. I don't know. She liked it though. But it, again, that's besides the point. She went over, she picked butterscotch, she took that. That is now her own. What happened in her exchange would be a ransom. She could not afford that on her own. She was, you could say, ransomed by Jude to receive this dilly bar. Do you see the difference here? To redeem something is you can afford it and so you claim it as your own. To ransom something is to not be able to afford it, but it to be bought in your name for you. And what's really interesting is you see these two words, they tend to be separated throughout the Old Testament. You'll see some verses in the book of Psalms, in the book of Exodus, that refer to these verses. And, and one will talk about how the Lord is our Redeemer. The Lord has redeemed us, which means the Lord could afford us, and so he purchased us. And then there's times where it talks about how we've been ransomed to God, and of course the reference there is we couldn't afford whatever God gave us, so God purchased it on our behalf. So we've been ransomed to the Lord, but sometimes these words are switched, so they're used back and forth, and, and sometimes you have to read in the context of the verse to really understand, okay, have I been redeemed and purchased, or have I been ransomed because I couldn't afford it by myself? What's the difference here? This is the interesting, this is the really interesting part. Fast forward to the New Testament in the language that they're using, they use these words one and the same. The word redeem and ransom are used as if though there is absolutely no difference. And oftentimes, more often than not, it is referred to solely in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has both ransomed us and has redeemed us. That Jesus could afford what we could not afford, so he paid for it on our behalf. And then because he paid for it on our behalf, that also caused us to be redeemed into his family. These words are used almost exactly alike to refer to what Jesus has done in our own lives as Christians. 
Now go back to the book of Ruth, and we have this word redeemed. And when we see in this last passage this story come to a close, we see three instances of redemption take place among the people in the passage. The first one, as we get into verse 13, right front and center, the book is named after her. It talks about how Boaz took Ruth as his wife. Right there, we have a whole story of redemption about how Ruth was redeemed by Boaz. And of course, we, we've talked about the importance of Boaz. He, he was a public figure in Bethlehem. It talks, the, the words that are used to describe him are a valiant warrior or a rich man. And so everybody knew who he was. So he had the opportunity and he could afford to redeem somebody like Ruth. But here's the amazing thing as we saw in chapter 3 and 4. He didn't just have to, because he did by law. He, he, he was responsible for her. He wanted to. He actually wanted to redeem Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And it's really incredible, because when, when Ruth approaches him, if you remember in chapter 3, he says, wait a second, there's another person that's actually in line to redeem you and the land first, let me try to convince him not to do it, because I want to do it. I want to step in line and take over here. And so he does that. He convinces this man not to purchase Ruth. He wants to purchase Ruth. And then in that moment, he calls the elders of the town together and says, okay, I'm going to marry Ruth. Let's sign, the, let's sign it now. Let's, I mean, he <laughs> practically elopes there in, within a few verses. And so they get married, and here in chapter 13, it references that Ruth has now been redeemed, not just to Boaz, not just to, to a family, she's been redeemed to the entire nation of Israel. Well, that's a big deal, because if you look back in chapter 1, what does Ruth say to Naomi? Or actually, what is, first, what does Naomi say to Ruth? She says, go back to your people, go back to your father, Try to find another husband. You're from the land of Moab. Try to find a husband there. Don't travel with me. And Ruth, Ruth says, no, I want to go with you. Your God will be my God and your people shall be my people. And now we get into chapter 4 and what does it say about Ruth? She is now part of the people of God. And, and we get this, most of all, not just with her marriage to Boaz, but now it's, it's illustrated or it comes full in her son Obed. Because in, in Jewish tradition, your Judaism did not come from your father. Your Judaism came from your mother. And so Ruth is technically not Jewish up until this chapter. And then when she marries Boaz, she joins the Israelite family. Now she is considered the mother of an Israelite boy. This is incredible. She's been redeemed. At one point, she had nothing. Her, her husband died. Her father-in-law died. Her mother-in-law is trying to convince her to go back to her people. When she does finally come into Israel, she's a foreigner. She doesn't know the people. She doesn't know the customs. She's trying to take care of her mother-in-law. And now what do we see? We see a mother in Israel. We see a wife of an Israelite man. She is now part of that family. So the pledge that she gave to Naomi, your people shall be my people, your God shall be my God, 
comes true in this chapter. She has been redeemed. She's no longer a foreigner in a strange land. She is now an Israelite in her home. She is no longer a foreigner who doesn't know who God is. She's now been invited to worship God alongside the people of God. And this is all because Boaz not only wanted to redeem her, he could afford it. He not only wanted her as his wife, but he had everything necessary to purchase Naomi's land, to take Ruth into his family, and as we see again in these first couple of verses, uh, as, as they consummate the marriage, it's God who blesses their marriage and provides a son for them. This is because Boaz wanted to redeem Ruth. So there's Boaz and Ruth in their redemption story. Well, now we get to Naomi and Obed in their redemption story. So as, as the baby is born, uh, the women of the town come in. And if you look back uh, to chapter 1, as she comes back into Bethlehem, the women of Bethlehem greet her and say, Hey, it's Naomi. Naomi's back. And the first thing she says is, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Naomi means happiness or pleasantness or blessedness. It's, it's a sense of joy is what her name means. And then when they greet her by her name, she says, don't call me that because I'm not blessed. I'm not full. I'm not joyful. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She says, don't call me happy. I'm not happy. Call me bitter. My husband died. My sons died. I have nothing left. And as you see in chapter 1, she comes into Israel and she is empty. And she proclaims to everyone that she's bitter. And then, as you get into chapter 2, a little glimmer of hope comes. little glimmer of hope. She realizes that Ruth is gleaning in her relative's field. And she says, Boaz is a good man. Keep going to his field. And then in chapter 3, she says, I've got an idea. Sneak into his room at night and propose to him. And we talked last week about how that, don't apply that to your life. Don't propose that way. But it works for Ruth. And now we see in chapter 4, all of this has, has come full circle. Now she's sitting there with her brand new grandson. And it's interesting, when the women see this, again, they greet her just like they did when she came back into the community but then they start to proclaim the blessings of God that have come upon her. And, and they make this statement, Bless the Lord, for he has not left you without a Redeemer today. When you read that verse, your first thought is, they must be speaking of Boaz, because Boaz purchased Naomi's land, Boaz married her daughter, Boaz returned the name of Elimelech, Naomi's uh, prior husband, uh, so Boaz must be the redeemer. But then they start to talk about how Ruth is better to her than seven sons and that Ruth has, has been loyal to her and, and, and has been with her this whole time. And then they said that Ruth has given birth to him. So not Boaz, Obed. Obed is the redeemer of Naomi. When Obed is born, it's expected that when he grows older, he's going to take care of the whole family. Obed, even though he's a baby now, 
He is going to be the head of household. He is going to be the one in charge, which means as Naomi and Ruth get older, he's going to be taking care of them just like Elimelech would have been taking care of Naomi when they were married, just like his two sons would have taken care of Naomi when they were still alive. Obed is now going to grow up into that responsibility and take care of her. She is not left without a redeemer. And notice, too, uh, when Naomi says, call me bitterness, I, I'm not happy in chapter 1, she doesn't even have words now. You, you ever be so happy that, that you just you, you can't express it? Uh, when, when we found out that Emily was pregnant with Jude, um, she went in for an early ultrasound, and when they scanned her stomach, they saw that she was having a girl. So you already know the end of this story. But we thought, oh, we're, we're having a girl. And I remember sitting back thinking, oh, boy, you know, I really wanted a boy, but I'm so happy that I'm having another girl. And, but I always wanted to raise a boy, you know? And then I remember we were sitting in the next ultrasound, and, and the lady was scanning Emily's stomach, and, and I remember I, I saw something, and I said, I don't know what I'm looking at. You know, and I even, there, there was a time previous where I said, oh, is that, that looks like the baby's spine. And she said, no, that's, that's the heart. It's like, okay, I'm out. I have no clue what internal organs look like in this thing. But then there, there was something there that I thought, that, that looks like a boy. But I'm not going to say anything. I'm not, and, and the lady, I remember, she put the image up, took it back down, and said, who told you that you were having a girl? And, and, and we both got really big smiles. And we said, oh, I was the last technician. And she said, okay, was it us? <laughs> <laughs> said, no, it wasn't you guys. And she said, oh, okay. And then she said, because it looks like you're having a boy. And, and I remember we were speechless. We, there, there was nothing to say. We, you know, and she said, are you guys okay with that? And I remember we both just had a smile and We were happy with it. That's Naomi in this moment. She has a redeemer in her household that is going to take care of the household and is going to carry on her late husband's name. And she sits there and she doesn't say anything. Everybody else is talking for her. That's how joyful she is. She's speechless. It's a beautiful moment of redemption because even though she slipped into bitterness... Obed redeemed her and brought her into now this joyful life that she was named after. So there's our second story of redemption. Now we have our third story of redemption. And this gets into what we often call the boring part of the passage. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. How many people skip over the genealogies uh, within Scripture? It's a, uh, I saw one hand. I won't say who. But we tend to skip over those genealogies. I mean, for one, we don't know who a lot of these people are. As we go through, I mean, you know, I, I just did a study on Ezra and Nehemiah, and there's whole chapters in there that are going over. They're going over the genealogy. They're going over the location that people are going to live. And to me, I don't even know what to make of it. And then on top of it, I get up here to read the passage for you guys, and even though I've tried to practice how to read... 
don't trust my Hebrew is what I'm trying to say here. If you hear me pronounce a name a certain way and you say, I heard that different on the radio. Trust the guy on the radio, okay? Somebody on Moody Radio pronounces a name different than I do. Go with them. We tend to skip over the genealogies because we don't know who these people are and we don't know why the genealogy is there. But the reason the genealogy is there was for the people that this book was originally written for. They were to look at that genealogy and they were to say, we can trace back who this family belongs to. And if you look at this genealogy and and you really wanted to dig into it, you would find that there's some names that are skipped. And that's simply because so many generations took place, you can't name all of them. And so what they would often do is they would group people into one generation and they would say, well, he's the father of that generation, sort of like a file folder that you might go through. And you might pick the most important people and then they go through that whole generation and somebody would have read that and said, oh, I know who that is and you know, I know all the family names. Okay, I get it. But if you look back, this goes all the way back to Perez, back in Genesis. And and they go through and they put Obed in the middle of this genealogy. And, And what do you see at the end of this genealogy but King David? So you go all the way back to Perez, okay, all the way back to, I think it's Genesis chapter 38, and, and how he was born to Judah and Tamar, and how they had children and children and children, and then you get to Obed. Well, where's Obed going with this? Well, Obed, as you follow his genealogy down, goes to King David. Well, why is that important? Well, it's important for two reasons. For us today, uh, the first reason is he's considered the greatest king in Old Testament history or Israelite history. Uh, as he was described, a man after God's own heart. He was a king that always longed to follow after God, and he was the greatest king that Israel could ever ask for. And so as this genealogy is laid out, we find out that the story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi leads to the story of David and Goliath. We find out that these stories now lead to the story of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the Tent of Meeting. As we read these stories, we we see the stories of David and, and fighting off the enemy and keeping Israel together. These are incredible stories. But number two, what do we know about David? Well, God said that the throne of Israel would never leave the house of David. So as we read this genealogy, if you turn to the New Testament Gospels where the genealogies are listed in in Luke and Matthew, you'll see that this story of Ruth leads to the story of David, leads to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So now we find out that, that the third people, you could say, that are redeemed in this passage is us. We've been redeemed in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born to David, who was born to Jesse, who was born to Obed. And by the way, do you know what the, uh, the name Obed means? Servant. What did Jesus come as when he came to rescue us? A servant. 
Even though he was our king, he came to serve. He came to take care of us. So the story now leads to our redemption through Jesus. And so we ask ourselves, well, what, has, what, what have we been redeemed from? There's a few passages. If you wanted to turn to them, that's fine. I'm going to just summarize through as we close out this, this message here today. What have we been redeemed from by Jesus? Well, the first is we've been redeemed from sin. That's Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, if you want to write that down. Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And remember, this word redeem in the New Testament is both words. We've been redeemed. We've been bought by God, but we've also been ransomed because we couldn't afford it ourselves. And so we've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from that life of disobeying God and living a life that's against the character of God. What have we been redeemed to? A life of holiness is what we call it, or a life of obedience, or a life uh, in a relationship with God. As, as Pastor Mark read earlier from Joel, that the Holy Spirit is now leading us. The Holy Spirit is cleansing us from sin and leading us towards a path of a relationship with him. Well, what else have we been redeemed from? We've been redeemed from hell. Psalm chapter 49, verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. And, and what that passage is talking about when we use that word Sheol is hell, the place of the dead, the place that dead people go and dead people stay dead. That, that is the place of hell. And when Jesus comes along, he rescues us from hell by, by forgiving us of our sins. He rescues us from hell, and where do we go now? Well, we're no longer destined for hell. We're destined for heaven. We're destined towards the family of God. We're destined towards living with him for all of eternity. And then finally, we are redeemed from the enemy. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. No longer do we have to live a life as if, though, the enemy has a hold of us. And what we mean by the enemy is Satan, the devil, and, and, and his demonic figures that, that want to see us go to hell. We are redeemed from that life. What are we redeemed towards? Well, again, a life with God, a life where God protects us from the enemy. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficult days, and that certainly doesn't mean that the enemy isn't going to tempt us, but now we've been redeemed to a life where we can overcome that temptation by the power of God. We've been redeemed to a new life. And this is all because, as we go back to this story of Ruth, it's all because Ruth looked at Naomi and said, your people will be my people. My God will be your God. It's all in Boaz, who just, remember, he just happens to go to the field, or Ruth just happens to go into Boaz's field. And now as we get to the end of this past, uh, of chapter 4, we go, I don't think that was a coincidence. 
I don't think she just happened to go, at, go in Boaz's field. I think God called her to. We have redemption in Jesus, and we can trace this all back to the book of Ruth, where Boaz looked at Ruth and said, I want to redeem you. I want to be the one that saves you. And this is exactly what Jesus has said to us today. I want to redeem you. I can redeem you. I will redeem you. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of of your redemption, the power of your Holy Spirit who's brought the redemption of Jesus into our life. Thank you, God, that you would call us uh, to this salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you would call us into this life of, of living with you. And if there's anybody out here today that, that is wondering, am I redeemed? Am I uh, one of the redeemed? Has, has Jesus saved me? Um, I invite you to...